0: Setting the record straight on what Jesus says about who can be saved, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. No matter what religion you choose or what direction of life you choose,
1: it's all going to pan out at the end, and we're all going to be saved. No, 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 that's not true. There is only one way to the Father, and that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself declared for all to know. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So not everyone is saved, but everyone is savable. Everyone is savable. Salvation isn't given to those who don't receive it, but it is given to those who do receive it.
0: This is amazing grace. This is failure. Salvation from sin and death. There is no greater need for mankind, and thankfully, God has provided the solution. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We continue today in Romans chapter 10, and it's there we learn not only who can be saved, but how they can be saved. Here now to get things started with more on who God can save is Pastor Ed. Now, I know we believe this, that if I was to ask the question, how about I just
1: ask it? Can God save anyone? Okay, let me ask it again just to make sure we have an audience in front of here. Can God save anyone? Yeah, I think that all of us would agree. When we start to process the work of God on the earth today and someone would ask us, can God save anyone? We would say, yes, I believe that God can save anyone. And then the Lord drops some people into your life that you start to scratch your head about. And you wonder, well, can God save my boss? I mean, do you know my boss, Ed? He mocks God all day. And he mocks me as a Christian. If there was anyone that was far away from God that I know, it would be my boss. Can God save him? Yes. Can God save my mom? who all of her years has resisted the work of God, and even to this day, if you were to talk to her, she would be and put up resistance. Can God save my mom? Can God save my dad? Can God save my boss? The one, well, the one that we think that God can't save, can God save them? The answer is yes. Yes, God can save them, and he wants to save them you can jot this down and for those of you that are taking notes in 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 9 let me read it to you it says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance that's his desire not only can he save that person in your life but he wants to and has made full provision for that salvation. He has made the way for all to be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, wait a minute, Ed, some might say. I've heard people say that Jesus only died for a select group of people. I've heard people say that Jesus only died for the elect, that his offer of salvation is only for a select group of people. And even though the Bible does refer to believers as elect and only believers are saved... I don't believe it's the right conclusion to think that the atonement, the provision of salvation, is only available to a small group of people. You see, those from a Reformed tradition, from those with a strict Calvinistic view of theology, say that God has chosen some and hasn't chosen others. And that if you're not predestined to be saved, man, tough luck. It's too bad. And that would really, that would really limit the work of Jesus Christ. And they actually call it limited atonement. I don't believe that's the right conclusion from the Bible. Jesus did die for all, even if some don't believe. Salvation is truly available to all, even though some reject it. Yes, those that believe, yes, only those that believe are saved. But Jesus, he's given himself for the world. I ask you to open to John chapter 3. Let's pick up in verse 14, would you? John chapter 3, verse 14 As Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus here at night, he comes to him and Nicodemus has this concern in his heart. He comes from a religious tradition that says, you know, you need to become a Jew to be saved. That's the only way that you can be saved. Jesus comes on the scene and begins to express this opportunity to be saved for Jew and Gentile that God. You see even back in the Old Testament is very clear that God's heart was for all Jew and Gentile, but by the time Jesus comes on the scene it was very narrow and there was no opportunity outside of Judaism to be saved. And so Jesus, he is teaching Nicodemus, and he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That And what does your Bible say? Let's just read this together, these three words. You ready? That whoever believes, you might just want to mark those words. Jesus says, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And he says, verse 19, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Now, that word world don't get in your mind the globe, the earth. Have in your mind this word is being used to reflect the unbelieving people of the world. It's a big, big, big world filled with unbelievers. And light has come into the world filled with unbelievers. So here's the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness. That's the problem. Where is your love and devotion? The condemnation in a person's life is not... The condemnation in a person's life is not arbitrary. It's very, very clear that it comes because men love darkness rather than light. Men have chosen to go their own way. Men have chosen, and women, verse 19, to have deeds that are evil. For everyone practicing evil, verse 20, hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Since you're in John, flip over to John chapter 7, verse 37. Salvation is available to everyone. But Only believers are saved. Salvation's available to everyone. Jesus, he rises up here in verse 37 of John chapter 7, and he says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, if you have a spiritual thirst today, whether you're in this room, you're listening in on the radio, you're watching in on the internet, you're downstairs in the cafe, wherever you might be, if anyone thirsts, if you have that spiritual thirst in your life, Let him come to me and drink. Anyone. I love that. You can jot this one down. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. It says, The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let them take of the water of life freely. The door of salvation is open to whoever. Or the old King James says, whosoever. The door is open to whoever in the world that believes in him will receive salvation. Back to John chapter 3 now. Look at verse 36. I know this is all by way of review, but how beautiful of a review it is. Whoever. Salvation is open to whoever. God has made a way of escape for you. That by faith in Jesus Christ, you can be saved. Look at verse 36, John chapter 3. It says, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Right then and there. Right there. Boom. You don't need to wait. There are some that would say, well, you can't find out if you have everlasting life until you meet God face to face. Listen, by then, friend, it's too late. God has made a way today so that you and I can know with assurance by faith in Jesus Christ, that you have everlasting life. Not that one day you might attain it. Not that one day you might be, you might work your way into salvation. He says, you believe you have it right away, Jesus. Amen. Good clap. That's a good clap. We have one clap that's happy about salvation. Two, three. Don't be afraid to respond to the work of God in your life, guys. It's okay. You're clapping for the Lord and what he has done in our lives. It says, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That's the sad thing. That's the sad thing as a pastor, as a fellow believer, among many people that there are those I know listening to me right now that have the wrath of God abiding on you. I don't know why you refuse the love of God. I don't understand it. I mean, maybe you don't care right now. Maybe you're in a place where you're too busy living for the world. You're too busy with these relationship things. You're too busy in school. You've got some secret sin that you actually really like and it's captivated your heart. I don't know what it is. But listen, the Bible says very clearly, Jesus says that if you work and you gain this world, you have everything this world has to offer, you could lose your soul. Like, what's it going to profit for a man to have everything you've ever wanted and yet neglect so great a salvation that God has made available through Jesus Christ? And it's sad that you might leave here again. You might turn the radio off again. You might flip that laptop down again, lost. Say, well, I've heard it again and I don't care. I've heard it again. I've got all these questions nobody can answer. Listen, God can answer every question that you ask. Now, we may have a difficulty with it. It may take us some time to study up on it. We may even find that the the, the answer to your question is, you know, you're just going to have to really take that up with God. And he's going to reveal to you in his right time the answers to the things that are on your heart. But the reality is this, friend. You have the opportunity before you leave today, in just a few moments, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul, for the forgiveness of your sin. You know, no one has ever asked to be saved. No one has ever prayed a prayer of salvation and been refused by God because they weren't predestined. That's never been an answer from heaven. Oh, Lord God, I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart. And heaven says, you're not predestined. (laughs) Now, he receives that prayer, doesn't he? He answers that prayer. He's waiting for that prayer. He's wanting you and I to cry out to him. Unbeliever, He wants that cry of repentance. Believer, he wants that sweet, intimate communication with him. That continual confession of the mouth. That continual belief in the heart. Salvation is available to everyone. Listen to this. Jot it down. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. It says, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. He gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. The offer of salvation is open to all. Yes, the opportunity to be saved is open to all. Yes, the open door of having your sins forgiven is open to all. Now, don't confuse that with the idea that's thrown around by some today that everyone's saved. Everyone is not saved. That's the false teaching known as universalism. The idea is, well, we're all kind of children of God. We're all human beings, you know. God is is our Father, and no matter what religion you choose or what direction of life you choose, it's all going to pan out at the end, and we're all going to be saved. No, 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 that's not true. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus himself declared... For all to know, he had laid it out for us for all to know. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So not everyone is saved, but everyone is savable. I like that. Everyone is savable. Salvation isn't given to those who don't receive it, but it is given to those who do receive it. Now, with that in mind, Romans chapter 10, I love the simplicity that Paul teaches us here In Romans chapter 10, everyone, yes, can be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, is everyone saved? Obviously not. There are many that will go into eternity rebelling and resisting God. And their reward will be a lifetime of condemnation. They have asked for it. This is the time that you and I have to make a decision for Jesus Christ. You have one life to be lived, the Bible says one life. It's a point of wants for a man, the Bible says, to die, and then the judgment. And so by the time we come to Romans chapter 10, let's pick up where we were last week in verse four and see how simple God has made it. It says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. So you don't want to go that way. We looked at that last time. You don't want to go that way because if you seek to be perfectly just by the law, then you have to perfectly keep the law. And since you and I don't perfectly keep the law, then we stand in need of someone who has. You, You can't keep the law. It's impossible. The law wasn't designed to be a means of righteousness. It was designed to cause you and I to cry out to God and cling to the Messiah, the salvation that's available to. We can't keep the law. Every time an animal was sacrificed in Judaism, it was a reminder that we don't keep the law. We're lawbreakers. And that blood of the Lamb would then be covering temporarily the sin of the people until the Messiah would come. And so we aren't to seek to... Cling to the laws and means of righteousness. No, he says, verse 6, the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. So see, what do I have to do to be saved? Do I have to, to build a ladder into heaven and bring Jesus Christ down? No. Verse 7, or who would descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead? Okay, so if I don't have to build a ladder to heaven, do I need to start digging a hole the rest of my life and the deeper I get, I can bring Jesus Christ up to my level? No. He says, what does it say, verse 8? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's read verse 13 again together. You ready? Verse 13: For who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is glorious good news. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's simple, it's even childlike in its simplicity. You believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is risen, which means you believe in his life, his death, and the power of his resurrection, that he's alive today, that he died for your sins, that he died to pay the price of your sins according to the will of the Father. And once that belief is there, resident in your heart, then you make a confession with your mouth. You know, there's a lot of debate today in churches among pastors that, you know, you can't have altar calls, and you can't have people stand up, and you can't have people raise their hand because that's not enough, you know, there has to be more. That sounds very simple, but friend, it is simple. The reason why we do have altar calls here, the reason why we do have you stand, the reason why we do have you raise your hand, the reason why I do lead you in a prayer is so that you can fulfill Romans chapter 10. That with your mouth you can confess your belief in Jesus Christ. That you can demonstrate among people that love you and care for you that belief that has been birthed in your heart in the Messiah. And unfortunately I think that human nature tends to complicate things. It just can't be that simple some people say. There has to be more to it. And when you ask them and you have that dialogue, I mean, this story is repeated over and over again where someone will get saved here and they will genuinely believe from their heart that God has done a work of salvation in their lives and they are ready to go for it in the things of God. And then they start talking to someone about it and they hit up on some guy or some gal that says, you know what, that's not enough. And you're like, what do you mean it's not enough? That church isn't teaching you the truth. They're making it too easy. That's cheap grace. Let me just say right now, We do not teach a cheap grace here. The grace of God is not cheap. Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin and mine. He himself, I don't call that cheap. I call that extravagantly expensive and wonderful. And Jesus paid the price for you and for me. We don't teach a cheap grace here. It's a very valuable, expensive grace that none of you, none of us could work for and earn. I mean, that's it. It's a gift of God. And so you'll talk to people and go, well, there's got to be more. And then you'll be open. You go, what do you mean, what more? And then, man, let me tell you, once you ask that question, there are hundreds of people that are ready to tell you the more. There are false cults all over town that are ready to tell you. You know, you got to buy these magazines. you got to do that. You can't. you got to be baptized in this church. You, you've got to do this. You've got to wear this special underwear. You've got to do all kinds of things to be saved. And I'll tell you, you ask the word more and you don't ask it to God, but you ask it to people around town, they're going to tell you more. You got to crawl on your knees until your knees are bloody. And then, then you got to get up and you got to do this. And you got to wake up here and you got to give half of your possessions. You got, you got it, you got it. And all the while the Lord say, no, 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 no. Do you thirst? Yes, I thirst. Then you just come to me. Come to me and drink, man. Just take it in. It's simple. It's simple. Even though you and I will face many people that want to muddy it up and make it unclear, it's not muddy. Well, this is what I heard on the radio, Pastor Ed, but does it line up with the Word of God? Oh no, you know, this author, he's the most popular author in town, and this is what he's... Hey, does it line up with the Word of God? Because that's where you want to find your absolute authority of what God has had to say on the topic. Not some man. You and I would test everything that we hear by the Word of God. I mean, it spills into the Christian life in relation to our connection to God, where we'll receive salvation, but then you'll spend a number of your Christian years trying to earn God's favor. And you work, 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 and it starts out so well. The motives that you have are pure, they're pristine, wanting to please God in all areas of life, but then this feverish level of activity starts to take over. And you do, and you do, and you do, and you never really sense Well, you start to develop because some days you don't do as much, and then you start getting bummed out, and you wonder if God really loves you or not. You wonder if you're really pleasing to God. Listen, in Jesus Christ, you and I are well-pleasing to him. Simple faith, simple obedience, not allowing the simplicity to be taken away from us. I mean, it's really good, church, to understand and to know and to realize that God just wants us to believe him, to trust him. It's not just believing him at salvation. But that would be the pattern of our life, to trust him. And so what happens? He allows things into our lives that really cries out from our heart. We need to trust God here. Things happen that we haven't planned, that we don't like. And God's saying, I want you to trust me, son. I want you to cling down. I want you to take it into your own hands. And sometimes we can't even take things into our own hands. It's beyond our ability. And God says, yes, I want
0: you to trust me. I want you to hold on to me. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Remember, you can access these studies in Romans online at aboundinggraceradio.com or through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Pastor Ed, I think one of the challenges Christians face is we believe God can do anything and save anyone He wants to save. But too often, we don't really believe it when it comes right down to it. How do
1: we overcome that? Well, you know, Larry, Pastor Chuck Smith would would often remind us in his teachings that we have a habit, it's a bad habit, and that is we often project our limitations onto a limitless God. And so we assess the situation. What, what he meant by that is we assess the situation, uh, and then we begin to measure the situation by our own resources and our own abilities. And when we come up short and begin to think, oh, this could never happen, or I could never do that— then that begins to undermine our faith in the omnipotent, all-powerful God that can. And so this is pretty common. This is, so if you're, if you're feeling this, uh, it's, it's very common for us to limit God in our own minds. Like obviously, we don't limit God in His power. Uh, he's, he's all-powerful. However, we limit God in our minds and therefore hold ourselves back from tapping in by faith the limitless power of God. How do we overcome that? We overcome that by submission and surrender, where we acknowledge to God. We lean not on our own understanding. One of the very first scriptures that I ever memorized was in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And little did I know then that it would be a necessary truth almost every day of my life. It says, and I would encourage you guys to memorize, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll direct your paths. How do we overcome that sense of limitations that we project on God? We trust him. We respond by faith and that response of faith is met with obedience and action as we abide in Christ His very life is lived out in us. And so whatever you are facing in the realm of challenges or even, you know, just praying for someone, I don't think God could ever let my life be a testimony. Let your life be a testimony that God can save anyone at any time. And forget about our lives. We have that example in the man, Saul, Saul of Tarsus, the guy that you would think never, ever, ever, never, ever became the most prolific Christian in all of history. Powerful stuff.
0: Thanks again, Pastor Ed. That's very helpful. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. But we can't do it alone. We look to our listeners to help us provide these daily studies. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'll send you A Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. We've all been hurt by the words or actions of another, but when it comes from another Christian... That can be really hard to handle. A Tale of Three Kings will lead you to God's hope and healing for times like these. You'll be comforted as you read A Tale of Three Kings, too. So order a copy right now by calling us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Then join us next time when we'll pick up where we left off in Romans right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. and grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora Colorado